welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined in the studio today by Older Adam. How are we doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Older, even older Thorpey, how are you doing? All right, getting older by the day. Even older Barry, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you for an old guy. It's good to have you all in the studio, especially off the back of a win at the weekend. Yes, that is right. Wigan Athletic won at the weekend at the home of the once famous and once big Sunderland AFC. New manager in as well, Lee Johnson, uh, took over the, as uh, manager at um, Stadium of Light. And the Latics went up there and ended a 10-match winless run with a 1-0 win, courtesy of a goal from Kyle Joseph. Barry, Initial thoughts? One shot, one on target, one goal. What more do you want? Brilliant. Yeah, really made up. Thought they were fantastic. Uh, great performance from the lads. Each and every one of them in a hero. Backs to the wall stuff. Felt really sorry for Will Grigg. As you know, looked a full-on figure. And both him and Max Power got dragged off at the same time. Uh, I'd say bring them both back to, to the Latics. Yeah, and it, it was very strange from uh, Sunderland's team. You know, the players that they've got in that squad... Aidan McGeady, Will Grigg, Max Power. They had really th- three shots on target, but they really failed to test Jamie Jones, didn't they? What's what's going on? What's going on up there, Adam, do you think? What, what's what's the big issues? Well, I know you're not a massive fan of Jamie Jones, but let's give him some credit. I thought credit. it was fantastic. Made, I don't know what you're on about. He's made two or three really good saves there, but I, I agree with you. They didn't. They certainly didn't dominate the game. And it, it, it might look like a smash and grab when it's one one shot on target, but it wasn't. I thought we had a good bits of control. I thought the last uh, 15 minutes or so we were excellent. I didn't feel like panicky at all in that last 15 minutes. But if you're not, you know, Sunderland are under a lot of pressure. They've got a lot of big money players. And to me, they're not looking like a team. I mean, let's look at the bench. They brought on Danny Graham. You know, he was, you know, he was a Premier League striker three years ago, wasn't he? And you just think to yourself, you know, we're we're basically playing our under under twenty under twenty threes with a with some experience, but I think certainly as uh, we've been talking about the last few weeks, getting a couple of our players back, and I thought Lee Evans had his best game of the season in his uh, first game back. I thought he put in an excellent midfield performance uh, on uh, on on Saturday, and we've got that little bit of a spine now of more experienced uh, players, which is. Uh, Standing is in good stead, and also we we haven't been changing the defence around as much in the last few weeks, which I think is helping matters as well. So I'm, I'd be positive in normal circumstances. If I thought this this kind of team would stay together for the season, I'd be positive with what's happened on Saturday. But as we'll talk about later, I'm not too sure about that. What's going to happen? So we'll see. I think you could be positive if we were in the Unibond. Conference fourth division or something like that. You're always positive, uh, Paul. I, I, I can see where Adam's coming from. I, I, I think you've had a few a, very similar to last season, where you've had a few games where um, players look like they can play for most of the game and then give away a few daft goals, and the result overrides the fact that you've had 60, 70, 80 minutes of dominating the game. A couple of decent wins, even if they're slightly dodgy like they won on Saturday was, obviously, 29% possession. You're not bossing any game, are you? Um, but 
that then breeds that confidence. And once we breed that confidence, you can see things going forward. I, like I say, I can see where Adam's positivity is coming from because it reminds me of last season where later on in the season, they'll look like a decent side, this lot, if they stay together. Um, going back, one good uh, point I'd like to, to, to make is uh, we had another debut, didn't we? A league debut for Luke Robinson came on. I know it was the 90th minute, but and, and I know he's played, as he made a couple of appearances for us before previously, I'm not so sure, but it was definitely a league, league debut for him. Uh, just wanted to raise that. Yeah, and a very good, very good player. We've we've highlighted him before, haven't we, in the past? Um, that he's a he's a good player. It, it's if you let Latics gel, that they'll go anywhere. And we've we're letting them gel, and now Latics can go anywhere. You need to work on that accent, Simon. You're too pop. <laughs> too well, it's, it's it's the area, Barry. It's the area. But in all seriousness, though, it's it's some good news in a time where things have been rather dire. For, for want of a better word, with what's going on at the club and what's going on in the world. Fantastic results, just what we needed as a morale boost. I think, obviously, the, the, the massive vital thing now is backing that up Saturday when you play your next game, isn't it? Because if you can bring you know a win at home, a win away from home as well, those two results, massive morale boost for these youngsters. And as I've been saying for a few weeks now, Joseph needs that goal so he doesn't, you know, it doesn't get in his mind. It doesn't get psychological. Joseph has that goal now. Um, let's hope that's the first of many. A bit seasonal as well, wasn't it, with uh, Joseph scoring? Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's hope he's not got a, another half called uh, Mary. Can we get Hayes' his sabre back as well? Hey, you never know. Um, uh, another good point. Well, when we were talking about the kids before, Luke Robinson... Uh, the under-18s had to deputise for the under-23s and went down to Birmingham, didn't they? And give them the a bit of point the agenda. Yeah. So a 3-0 win down at Birmingham's under-23s for our under-18s. The calibre of class that's coming through, we need to preserve this, nurture what we've got, keep hold of, obviously, the good academy structure and staff that we've got to help take this club forward. Because in what, whichever way you look at it, the academy is going to be the future of the club. Yeah, and if any anybody uh, thinks otherwise, then they're not uh, they've not got the best interest of the club's club at heart. And if anybody thinks that the right way to go about it is downgrading it to category three or perhaps not investing in it, then uh, you know they've not got the best interest of the club at heart. And, and it makes you wonder what line they're thinking along. Yeah, there are some mad people there. I mean, I don't know if you read this week, though. I think um, Birmingham are looking to make cuts on their academy. And you think to yourself, hold on a minute, you've just produced a player that you've been able to sell for whatever amount of money and now you're thinking that you're going to make cuts on your... It's just bonkers. You only need... If you can unearth one talent, like we did, well, we had a few talents, didn't we? But unfortunately... We, we couldn't reap the rewards because we had to sell them on the cheap to uh, to pay the bills, didn't we? So Very cheap as well. Uh-uh. We're going to go into the hot topic, obviously, of the last few months, which is the, the takeover. Now, Barry and Adam were very fortunate to speak to one of the potential bidders or bidders, uh, Tony Frampton, on Monday. Barry, Adam... How, how did that go on Monday? What, what are the key points for those who haven't listened, but will probably listen after this podcast? 
Well, uh, the the idea of getting Tony Frampton on was uh, solely to dispel one of the statements the uh, administrators have made, that there was nobody waiting in the wings. And we attempted to get a total of three outside bidders on, and we nearly got two of them, but something happened at the weekend. But Frampton agreed to come on, and, uh, you know, it, it is a genuine bid, whatever you think of him. And I'll pass over to Adam now, because Adam did a little bit of, uh, shall we say, fr- forensic investigation with him. Yeah, I think I think the first thing is that with a lot of these circumstances that, that come about, I think to get some people miss sort of, you know, misread the, the public feeling. And I think sometimes I think in statements they might, you know, promise things that look very exuberant, but actually move outside all that stuff about the roof on the stadium and increasing the capacity. You know, the, the key questions were about, well, this thing about the deposit now, I know it's a bit of a he said, she said type scenario at the moment, but he's adamant that at the time they were not asked for a deposit. And while they're in the period of exclusivity, the administrators wouldn't actually talk to them. And he set he set out the dates, the timeline and everything, you know, and that 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 seems to add up to where, where we're up to. But it just seems, I mean, I asked them why he's still here. Uh, because ultimately he's banging his head against a brick wall because nobody nobody in authority is really... Well, the administrators won't speak to him. Or when they do, they won't allow him to put that that um, sort of things... move things on a bit and release the exclusivity from the uh, from the Spanish. But, you know, he seems to know the pertinent people at the, the, the council. He seems to have spoken to the uh, supporters' club. Uh, and he wasn't just going on, oh, I've spoken to everyone, because he actually said, I believe he said he hadn't spoken to Lisa Nandy, uh, but he'd seen some podcasts that, that she'd done. So you know, there's a few, there were a few bits and pieces, really, that for me, if you really take a step back from it, you know, he, he's someone who's got a connection to Wigan. The, the rugby, we didn't even ask about the rugby, because to me, that, that's been dispelled already. He wanted to buy the rugby. Lennigan wasn't interested in selling and Lennigan, has, for me, has got no connection to this. If he if he did have some connection to it, what's our major issue anyway? Is it, you know, who would you rather have? Uh, two Wiganers, who we kind of have an idea now who they are, or the people who are in the, the seat at the moment, who, does anybody really know who they are, really? That's, that, that's my view on it. So I'm not saying he's... He's going to deliver on everything that he promises or whether he'll even ever get a chance to do that. But at the moment, if I'm looking at if there if it's just one, if it's just those two in the game, then for me, I would I would take that chance on the on the lift the exclusivity, see if they can pass the test. And if they do, sounds like they're ready to go. It sounds like they've got the funds ready. They don't see the deposit as a problem at all because they just see it as a two-part payment. You know, they, they pay the deposit and then they make the difference up with the final sale. So it, it all adds up to me. And I, and I think sometimes, you know, if you give them, a, if you give him a platform, Dave Whelan, how many times did Dave Whelan get the platform? And if you ask him certain questions, as great as he was for us, he'd talk, he could talk nonsense, couldn't he? And I think if you give him a platform like others might have done on podcasts and get, allow him to sort of go into go all, along the fantasy line. I think he'll explore that. But if you can see the woods for the trees, I think it's a decent bid. 
I, 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 I think it's genuine and I think it's a lot better than what we've got in place at the moment. I, I agree that it, it is genuine and it's there, which was the main point really, that there are other bids and there are other bids. We know of at least another two genuine bids that are there and for the administrators to threaten the, putting the club in liquidation if, if, if the Spanish aren't giving it raises very big concerns for me. They're just playing hardball, aren't they? With the FL, yeah. you know, well, I've said I've said for years that fit and proper person's test is a waste of time because all you do is put the club in your wife's name. You know, if the FL have doubts about the way they expect the Spanish to run the club, they have doubts. End of story. Whichever person fronts up that bid, that if they're not approved, they're just going to sit in the background and run it. I think one of the problems with this little scenario we've found ourselves in now is, and Adam alluded to other podcasts, there was a particular podcast where Tony Frampton was allowed to ramble on and people have grasped that and called him a fantasist. They've laughed at him, he's a joker. they started talking about the new airport and, and other stuff. And they've all jumped on that and then said, oh, it's got to be the Spanish. It's got to be the Spanish. So it, it's like a bit of a double whammy, this. You've got to stop and think, this Spanish bid has been running for nearly 12 weeks now and not gone through. There's a reason why it's not gone through, a very major reason. And, and what, what they've done over the weekend, they've shuffled the deck chairs. They've taken, they've just shuffled people around. This Garrido character has disappeared and he's gone off, he's gone off, the, gone off the, the list of directors. But what's to stop? I mean, that Marino, when you think about it, Philippe Marino of Legans doesn't speak a word of English. He doesn't speak a word of English. The guy who's jumped on Kilford from from uh, from from Bristol is saying if you're looking, his tagline is if you're looking for a sugar daddy to run a club, don't come to me. I mean, he sounds almost as ridiculous as what Tony Frampton sounded like. So you've got to think in the future, and I'm talking months down the line, not years. Months down the line, once the the Spanish bid, if it does get approved, how long is it before they bring? Chris, uh, Crystal Garrido back as an employee to run the club. The fair and proper person's test is an absolute nonsense. He could be the paid man. Look at that club now. People are jumping ship so quickly. Why are they jumping ship? What are they afraid of? We're close to being taken over. There's people leave. People left last week. There's people leaving this week. I, I think our supporters really need to read between the lines, open your eyes and just think about this, what's going on at the moment. I'm not saying the Spanish bid is, is wrong, but surely it should give some cause for concern. And to get us out of administration is a great thing. I know that, I appreciate that. And these administrators, absolute, fed up to the back teeth of them. I never want to speak to them again. I, I, I've spoken to Krasner. I don't want to speak to him again. I've seen Paul Stanley on Twitter tweeting away, what he was doing on, 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 on over the weekend and again on on Monday, taking the piss out of a out of a bidder. He was taking the piss out of out of Frampton on Twitter. He's a professional in his job, a professional administrator appointed by a court, being one of the lads. What on earth is that? That's absolutely disgraceful. There are, it's, a, it's an absolute disgrace what's going on at this club at the moment, and the administrators are number one at fault with it. Absolutely. I think the reason they're not opening it back up is because they will then be liable for some costs, which they don't want. They'd rather take a bit more profit and screw the club over. 
something rather than administrate and do the best. Well, I honestly think, right, I mean, I'd have to look into this deep, deeper, but I think that on Friday, that was their chance, the administrators, to lift the exclusivity. And the, he could be pushed to the EFL. And then if the Spanish had an issue, the issue would be with the EFL, not with the administrators. So that was their chance. And that's what concerns me even more, is that what I've been saying to people like the last couple of weeks, it's like, you know, you've got this horse that you've been following. You really like, you really like this horse. But then you realise one of its legs has fallen off. Are you still going to back it? You know, are you still going to back it to win? You're not going to back it to win. Why don't you just move to another horse at that stage? Because they've got money on the table, that's why. Well, yeah. You know, but... you're, you're right, but, but you know, they got that deposit, which they told us was non-refundable, which we since found out was only non-refundable in certain circumstances. Yeah, I think that was always, going, think... To be, I think that was always going to be the case, though, Paul. Yeah, but I, I think if, the, if, if they reopen... The bidding, they then are liable for the costs that currently legally the Spanish would be liable for, and even if they can keep that deposit in those circumstances, I don't think that covers it. I don't think that's enough, and I think that's the problem. That's the financial hole that the administrators are refusing to take responsibility for. You know, quite understandably, other potential bidders are not filling that all for him. It's not. It's not the administrator for signing up that deal in the first place. Exactly. Checking out these bunch of idiots from Spain. Without I mean, checking them out, absolutely. They could end first up person, First person that ponied up with some money got exclusivity. You know, they've, they've given them enough, to, enough time. And, and now we're not talking about, I'm not bothered about as such what the plans are for the club and what would be the best for the town in the long term. I, I, I'm bothered about a... Um, a sensible plan moving forward that I can be here in two or three years time and we've still got a club. Things can happen. And, and I don't think you can look much, much beyond five years, to be honest, in any football walk of life these days. But this to me at the moment looks like it's going to be months rather than years, because I can't see where this money's coming from. Uh, Barry said before about reading between the lines, there's two major warning signs now, isn't there? One that right at the start um, when, they were after the money from the supporters club to help with the purchase price. And then secondly, this fact that the main person who's been fronting it, who I believe has been doing all the data analysis originally talking to staff, he's, he's not, uh, can't pass the honours and directors test. But yet the people who are involved with him, who've put him as the front man, are still going to be... Uh, the drivers behind this. And to me, there's too many now unanswered questions about these. And just just doing well, you, it for the sake of getting out of administration is not the way to look at it. We've got a way to... You can't answer the questions because if you put other people at the front of that bid, there's always going to be that question there that, is it actually him? Or has he just plonked his, you know, his mate's name on the, on the, uh, on the paperwork when actually it's his... It's his um, his money still, you know. That that's the problem. What what whatever the AFL have found, that whole bid should be either completely wiped off the table or substantially changed. And if it's substantially changed, that exclusivity should not apply anymore because well, it's substantially changed. But we've said this, Paul, but it's not happening, is it? We've no, it's because then 
then bloody administrators have dug themselves a hole by taking the first first bit of money that came their way. And, and there's a PR job going on with the supporters. Isn't there? I mean, everybody's romanticising about the Spaniards again, like they were originally. It's just, it's so worrying. It's so worrying. We've got to think about the future of the club. We don't want to be back in this situation anytime soon. Uh, and that's a big fear. And you're listening to all the noises that's coming out from the people who worked at, at the club. Everybody knows people who worked at the club in the ticket office and other places. And they all tell the same story. They're all telling the same story about these these Spaniards, the, the, the plan for the football club to run it on a on a shoe, shoestring. And we don't want people to invest 25 million into the club again. But you, it's going to cost you some money. It's going to cost you some money. You need proper staff in place. You need a good management. You need your academy staff. It needs an upfront in, uh, injection to allow all the other things to come to fruition, doesn't it? Yeah. If you don't put some money in originally, then your academy is not going to prosper. You've got to, like for the first thing they need to do, anyone who comes in, is pay out some money to offer some new contracts. That's the first priority. That That's going to cost you quite a bit of money to get these people signed up on two or three year deals that you're going to have to commit to. We're still in that position as well where we've got all the players who are out of contract in summer. They're all out of contract. And January transfer window's opening up. All their agents will be pushing them. To, to get moves if they don't want moves themselves. Obviously, they're, they're on restricted wages with us. It, it's a nightmare situation, this. It's a nightmare situation. It seems we're anti the Spaniards. It, it really does. Well, I'm, I'm not pro any of the others because I don't know anything about them. But I've heard so much stuff about about this this bid and and, see, and it's been formally rejected. And then they've, all they've done is shuffled a bit of paper around and thrown it back in again. It just, it, I, I, I can't I, believe it. That's, you know, we're just stuck here. We're going to be stuck here, whoever owns it, aren't we? Right then, um, let's move on to the upcoming fixture at the weekend. Accrington Stanley. Who are they? Yes, that is correct. And, and it is a case of who are they, because we've only played them once in the trophy and we lost 4-0 at home. Oh, no. Someone won't be. Someone won big that day, though, didn't they, Adam? Oh, yeah. I cashed out. Oh, and what was it? Eight, uh, 86p. 86p. <laughs> and he said it's helped, helped you survive through this time. Technically, we have played them twice, haven't we, Barry? When was the second time? It was in 1978 in the semi-final of the Wanks uh, Junior Cup, which we won that year, beating Charlie in the final. We played them at Springfield Park, beat them 4-3, and Ian Gillibrand scored... The last of his six goals for the club in 422 appearances. I just say thanks, Jeff Rock, for that stat. Spot on. Who's who's the man in the middle this weekend? Uh, I'm glad you asked that. It's a 32-year-old Mark Edwards, and he's in his second season as a national uh, list official. So, had a good season last season. He only issued one red card, and so far this season, he hasn't issued any. So, I think he's. Uh, He's, he, he's taking his time with the old bookings and red cards. He's done 13 Either games, that. 49 yellows and no reds. Either that or he doesn't like the paperwork. Well, influenced by the crowd. He only sends them off when the crowd are baying for blood. He uh, uh, refereed Accrington once this season. Uh, that was an own win for him against Peterborough. And he's obviously he's never, never refereed us. Excellent. Uh, Adam, over to you. Yeah, so we've got another instalment of uh, Adam Asks uh, tonight with um, Josh Cook 
So two two uh, two names there that are uh, in our recent history, aren't they, Josh and Cook? So we're going to hand over to uh, to Josh, and he's going to take us through the preview. Hi everybody, it's Josh Cook here from the Raw Milk Accrington Stanley podcast. I will attempt to answer a few questions and give you an insight into Saturday's game from an away fan's perspective. Uh, we've had an incredible start to the season at Stanley, um, just sitting outside of the playoff places with a few games in hand after we missed a few weeks from COVID. It's a start that none of us really expected. I think that we come into the season, we even used to go into the League Two seasons thinking that you know um, staying in the division was our priority. With COVID and everything that's happened in the last couple uh, in, in the last few months, um, that's been made you know even more of our ambition. I think that. We've just had an unbelievable start that none of us really predicted. Um, and if anybody says that they did predict us doing this well, then they're either lying or they haven't watched Stanley too long. Um, because it has been incredible. Key players to watch out for for yourselves. Uh, Joe Pritchard playing on the wing is someone that's had a really, really impressive start to the year. We lost Jordan Clark, one of our main men in the summer to Luton Town, um, as well as a really long-term injury for Sean McConville. So both of our wingers over the last two years and probably our more consistent performers have been out in the team. So it, it was, it's been to Joe to really to step up and sort of fill their boots in, in their absence, which, which he has done completely and he looks every bit a League One winger and looks very, very dangerous this season. So look to him nipping in off the wings and causing you a few problems. Um, other than that, we have Matt Butcher in the middle who joined us from Bournemouth in the summer, who looks like an, an incredible signing for us, somebody that we've picked out of nowhere really, but is an absolute gem of a midfielder and looks like he's probably too good for League One, so hopefully we can get him get him continuing in that form. Um, other than that really, we've got a few loanees from Chelsea, one of those is Tarek Awakwe, the other one is John Russell, who have come in and really started the season really well, so... We've got a few players that have come in that we weren't really sure about. A lot of inexperience, but they've really they've really took to the season really, really well. And that's probably the key to us doing so well this season so far. Um, I know that we've got a few little links there. Liam Richardson being one. Peter Murphy's involved in the backroom staff, I believe. Paul Cook obviously left last year. Gary Roberts and obviously at the minute current player Cal Naismith as well playing. Cal, when he was with us, was still sort of applying his trade and sort of learning it and he had a lot to learn really but he's sort of involved in what many Stanley fans see as a nostalgic period where it was us against the world for a long time in terms of finance and the team was sort of struggling but Cal is remembered as a player who always did very very well for us he didn't have the best of starts I seem to remember him Penenka in a penalty over the bar once when we were struggling at the bottom of the league in the last minute which didn't go down too well but he's remembered as a grafter and he's remembered as um, someone that you could always rely on to pop up with a goal so I'm glad that he's gone on to do really really well as well scored a few against us since as well I've made a trip to Fratton Park where he put, a, put one in in the last minute so He's certainly gone on to have a decent career, so fair play to him. Uh, moving on to Saturday, I'd like to think that with the form that we're in, and no offence really, the start that you've had and the turmoil that's going on at the club, I'd like to see us go there and really target a win. And I'd like to sort of do it with a bit of style as well. It's a real shame that we're missing out on fans being able to be at the game because that is really a fixture that Stanley fans would have looked at and really enjoyed. Um, so I'm really sad that we sort of don't meet each other in person. 
But yeah, I'm going to go, hopefully Stanley can go there, put in a good performance and hopefully come out um, to one winners. Uh, that's it from me. All the best for the rest of the season. I really, really enjoy seeing North West sides do well. So I hope you can sort of put this behind you, especially with the Stanley links that you have. I'm a big fan of Liam Richardson and um, and Peter Murphy. So all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. Oh, really good, that. Really, really enjoyed that. Very insightful. Um, I like the, um, at least a minute that he spent on Cal Smith, but also talked about all the other connections that there are with the, the club, the Paul Cook. He said he had glowing prayers for Peter Murphy and uh, Liam Richardson. Um, didn't mention uh, just Windass, funnily enough. <laughs> but he did uh, He did mention uh, Gary Roberts as well as a bit of a legend. And he, he said he liked Naismith. He said uh, didn't start that well, but then grew on him. So I think I think we've, uh, we can kind of resonate with that. So... Uh, yeah, they've made a great start, haven't they? To be honest, they've been a great story for the last 10 years, haven't they, to be fair, Accrington, from going out of business, didn't they? Was it in the 60s, Barry? Yeah. Uh, in fact, in the, back in the 70s, they were in the Lancashire combination with uh, a team I used to play for back then, Wigan Rovers. Ah. Uh, Did you ever play against them? I was in the travelling party, but didn't make the squad. I was only 16, 17 when, when we went there. Were you the water carrier? Well, I was for that game, probably. But I remember, I do remember going to the ground, so I must have been involved in you know somewhere, but I didn't actually play against them. Uh, how do you see the game going, Thorpe? I'm, I'm in that um, group of people that I was talking about before. I'm, I've not been keeping up with how other sides are going, so at best I could look at the table for you and have a guess. So I'll say we're going to put a back-to-back win together. Uh, Adam? Probably apart from Hull have been the star team this season. They've not they've played very few games because of COVID. I think if they win the games in hand, they can go second in the table. No expectation on them at all, but I think Coleman's a very experienced manager. He's put a good squad together that work hard for each other. They score a lot of goals, so we're gonna to have to be, you know, the, the defence is gonna to have to be on top form. But I think in the last three or four games we've the, the trajectory has been positive. Uh, I think it'll suit us against Accrington um, because, I, you know, I think we're quite good at breaking. Um, sure that Sunderland, that goal we scored, uh, we might Lincoln, that was a, on breakaway, wasn't it, as well. So I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. 2-1, Barry. Yeah, and with Adam, I think there'll be goals. Uh, they, they, they score. Uh, but I, a lot will depend on uh, if Cal Naismith is fitting up, I think, you know, following his, his going off injured at Sunderland. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go two one as well. I think we will. Uh, I think we'll get a, a win. Two one, Latics. Two one, the Latics. Excellent. So before we go tonight, just to remind you that on Sunday you will hear the um, review of the game against Accrington Stanley with Barry and Paul. We will also look forward to the game on Tuesday. If you haven't already done so, grab a listen to the Tony Frampton interview that was recorded earlier this week. And also have a listen to the interview with the great Pat McGibbon. Absolutely fantastic listen. It was a pleasure to have him on. Um, and we've got another couple lined up that may be out before Christmas. Depends how lucky you guys get. But without further ado, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from us. Goodbye from us. All right. Up the six.